Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No. Nope. Still Who are not. you? I'm Lauren. Cool. AKA not Jen. AKA. Um, guys, it takes a village and we bring this show to you weekly with our stories, tips, and expert guests to help you navigate the complicated world of dating. So help us in the podcast world by doing your part and rating our show and leaving comments about what you think. Yeah, you guys, you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast on iTunes and make sure when you're there that you rate and comment and super important, tell a friend, share this with your friends, your coworkers, the people that you date and then you dump because they need help. So uh, we're here to help. And it is so helpful if you guys share and rate and comment because it shows that we have a loyal and growing audience. It helps us bring you sponsors and offers and it keeps the lights on for us so we can keep things running for you guys um, and contributing to the village. So that would be lovely if you guys could help us help you. Yeah. And something else that is lovely is that we've got the author of I Gave Up Men for Lent, Casey Maine, in to discuss what she discovered when she sacrificed men, the pressures that women feel to get married and have babies, why you should become besties with your fears, and why it's important to take a long, hard look in the mirror. That's right, you guys. Casey is 34 years old and recently left her successful career to pursue her dream of being a writer. So awesome. She specializes in relationships, self-reflection, my favorite, and personal growth, which I think is your favorite, Jen. Yeah. I mean, it's all of our favorite things. I think she's going to be our new BFF. Casey just uh, released her first book titled I Gave Up Men for Lent, The Story of a Jaded, Hopelessly Romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning. I love it. It chronicles the 40-ish days of Lent where she legit gave up men, a time that turned into a lot of self-reflection and taking ownership of her life, including her tumultuous relationship history. Oh my God. Love it. We need to hear like everything about this and where this even came from. And I feel like everyone needs to practice this. I don't know when Lent starts because obviously I'm of the Jewish variety, but um, I feel like I should just get on this. I'm pretty sure it's happening right now. Oh, cool. Like a couple of days ago, I feel like, or last week or something. Uh, Casey probably knows because she's obviously into it, but you can do, I mean, listen, Lent is a good time to do it because everyone else is doing it. So you like go with the tradition of the religious ceremony, even if you aren't, but I feel like you could do it whenever you want. Well, just pick a month and give up the do girls or guys or whatever it is. So yeah. Well, before we get into everything, it's time for our nightcap. Jesus juice, obviously, because red wine is used to symbolize the blood of Christ in Catholic religious ceremonies for remembrance of the sacrifices made. Even I know that guys yeah. and you know, Google. Um, and I guess my religion overlaps, right? I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. You guys drink wine for Well, things? I mean, also he was like, you know, he had the Old Testament and stuff. Right. I mean, sure. Whatever. This is how much I know. I don't really know a lot either. I know that Easter has eggs and a bunny. Well, when we get to our complicated section, I'm going to tell you all something about me. So can't wait. Um, Well, we think it's fitting to drink this heavy pour of vino to cheers. The sacrifice of giving up men for Lent that our guest so bravely committed to. Yeah, so brave. It's so brave. I don't know if I'm that brave, but we'll see. Maybe she'll entice me to do the same. I honestly think it would be kind of easy. 
I just wanted to, we're going to talk to Casey about how strict she was about it. Right. There could be things that maybe aren't that easy. So exactly. Like don't even flirt with a guy or like talk to them. I mean, I'm like, what? I don't even know. And like, I do you just not make eye contact. I guess. I mean, I probably didn't do that anyway before, so it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> well, right. cheers to her self-control and what she discovered. Yes. Can't wait to figure that out. And quickly, you guys, I discovered that I'm allegedly more Irish than I once thought because of that 23andMe mix-up. I mean, the Ancestry.com mix-up. I'm going to do 23andMe because I want to compare and contrast. I'm definitely more Italian than Ancestry.com says I am, but allegedly I'm Irish. So I geared up for an early St. Patrick's Day with my man. We celebrated Saturday and then, um, you know, it was an early celebration because James had a friend's birthday party to go to. And I discovered that lately I've been making plans for like him and then not joining. So like, the plans happen because of me. Like I bought, I got tickets to something and then like there are actually two things and I let him use them because it made more sense for him to be like with a guy friend or whatever. So I realized that sometimes it feels like you're maybe missing out of something like you have FOMO and you're like, but I want to go to that thing. But it was actually like kind of nice to have, I mean, we do a lot of things separate. We're not one of those couples, but it was just like, a realization of like, don't feel like you have to say yes to everything because you're going to miss out like spending time with yourself. Or for example, I spent time with Bella, his daughter, like it was a good thing. Like I don't, I didn't feel like I was missing out. I'm totally fine. It was nice to share some things that made more sense for him to do. And I just feel like it's a good way to check your balance. Well, that's just lovely. Yeah. Look at you, just all that self, the reflection, the growth. Right. I gave up going to the parties that I got tickets to him for for Lent. Exactly. Exactly. And I am still on the like self care kick where like I will stay in certain nights and like have like a date night with myself, like light a candle. I'll have like some wine. I'll watch the things I want to watch. And I just feel like I need to really recover from like the hustle and bustle of the day, like the every day. And like, while I understand I'm single and probably need to like put myself out there, I think there's a time and a place. So like focusing right now on myself whenever possible and then also going on dates. So I think there's that balance there. So for instance, like I had a couple of dates this week, like Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, like I'm stocking them up because I feel like I need to put myself out there. But then like, Sunday is a me day and then like Wednesday is a me day or like, you know, like I'm trying to like every other or just like find those times to create the balance and really just recover and also like think about my feelings. Like what do I think of these people? And like, do I like them? Do I want to go out on a second date with them? Do I not care? Well, then I should probably still go out on a second date with them because if they don't make my blood boil, I should probably (laughs) give them another chance if I don't hate them and what they stand for. You know, like yeah. how other I people have. I think that makes perfect sense. Don't just go through the motions of dating because you're desperately trying to find somebody. I know that it's a, a want or need for people who date. You should be wanting to do that. But you also have to take time to then like feed your own self and soul. It's a lot. Going on a date is exhausting. You've got to like be on. You've got to like be present and talking and asking questions. It takes a lot out of you. It's like you're out late. Maybe potentially you're drinking. Like it's tiring. So, so exhausting. And like, it. like just also like that's like one element of the week. Then there's like 
seeing life, friends and family working, and working out, going to work and like just all the things eating your dog right. right there's fucking other stuff happening so i find i begin to res- and i don't know if maybe like some of our listeners feel this way but i find that when i'm so busy i start to resent the things i'm busy with because i don't actually have the time to do any of it properly i'm yes. racing from thing to thing i don't feel my best i don't look my best I'm exhausted. I don't want to go to the things because I'm like, all I want to do is actually like sit on the couch. So because of that, I'm now going to choose to sit on the couch and then the other things I'll sprinkle in. Yeah, I totally agree. Like not having time to do something right or all the way or like however that looks for you, not feeling comfortable and doing the activities because of lack of time or being tired or whatever. It's just, there's no point. Like you don't, it's like, for example, I'm planning a wedding right now. People are like, well, just make it really small. I'm like, no, a a really small wedding is like five people at a dinner that you spend a thousand dollars on. You're either going to spend like $5,000 or don't, or, or you're spending 30 or 40. Like there's no 15 grand in between. It's so hard to do. So you're either having a wedding that is like what you want with 40 people there that's gonna cost way more than you want or 50 people or 60 people or whatever, or you don't fucking do it at all. It's a waste of money is my point. Like it's a waste of money to have, like people keep saying, well, just make it really small. Have like 10 of your closest friends. I'm like, that's not, it's, no, like that's not it. Like that's not the answer for me. Sounds stressful. It is stupid anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, well guys, she's honest, direct, blunt, and willing to discuss anything. Welcome to the show, Casey. Yay! Hello. Hi. We have so many questions for you about <laughs> your book, which is so awesome, I think. Yeah. We both think. Absolutely. Um, so let's just dive right in. Why did you decide to give up men for Lent? Uh, okay. I, I wish I had like a better answer for this question because I get it a lot, but it was really almost an arbitrary decision at the time. I just, I was 32 and I just felt kind of blessed in my life is really the best way to describe it, which didn't make sense because I had a great life. I had a great job. I had a cute little apartment by the beach. I had great friends and active social life, close family, all that good stuff. And because I was single and I have a very, I'll say dramatic relationship history, I figured, okay, my reason for this kind of unsettled feeling in my life is men. And the straw that really broke the camel's back is I was out with a really good guy friend of mine, just friends. He has a girlfriend. I know her. She's very sweet. We got drunk and we made out. And I was like, it was, that happened. I'm like, oh, Casey, like you've got to get your shit together. I'm like something, like something has to change. So, and Lent was right around the corner and I always give up something for Lent, even though I'm not very religious. So I was just like, you know what? Men, like I'm just going to give up men for Lent. And then I actually, I added in a couple other things because I didn't want to be like that jaded girl that gave up men for Lent. Um, so I included social media, sweets, and hard liquor. So just just hard Whoa. liquor. And yeah. <laughs> so I my public answer was like, okay, I'm giving up all the double-edged swords in my life, like things that cause me both pleasure and pain. Right. And I really I went into it not knowing what to expect, but but that was kind of the decision process. 
Wow. That's actually, I think, really interesting, especially with the recent um, like Instagram glitch where it was down and people were freaking out and like, it was like the great blackout of 2019. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, <laughs> I mean, the memes that came out of it too, like that they like are wish sending prayers to those people that lost Instagram for 24 hours. That couldn't post the picture of their avocado toast. Never forget. Right. <laughs> well, like, I exactly. And, and social media, like, it's, it's insane how the role it plays in our life. And I will say, like, there's a lot of good in it. But I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, I can't even really remember what I used to do without Instagram. Like, when you're sitting waiting in a doctor's office, what did you do? I mean, yeah. you, you probably just sat there or maybe you read a magazine but we're very attached to our phones and you know at, at, at my age at, at the time my newsfeed is full of people getting engaged people weddings people having babies and it just would make me feel like kind of just bad about myself or a little bit angry so that was part of the reason I'm like I, I need a break from just seeing all of that as well Makes sense. And then, I mean, as far as like the hard alcohol goes, obviously that contributed to you making out with that guy. So it makes sense to like eliminate anything that might cause a potential bad choice. Yeah. And I just, I, I feel like I've constantly been on this search for balance in my life because I tend to be very much an all or nothing person. And so when I go out, I, I go out. And I'm like, I wish I could be one of those people that just kind of gets, you know, a nice little buzz and then, you know, is still home at a relatively decent hour. And so you don't feel like crap the next day. But that really wasn't my history. I'm a big uh, vodka fan. And, you know, you start drinking vodka and before you know it or you start throwing in shots. So I was like, OK, I'm going to remove hard liquor to hopefully slow, slow that that whole process down. Yeah, it's like you removed the vices and the temptation that would make you maybe go down a path that you're trying to avoid like the general umbrella of like things that might make you not feel good like being hungover or getting too drunk and doing something that you maybe wouldn't have done had you only had like a glass of wine or eating too many sweets and then feeling getting a stomach ache or whatever it is that you is yep. it makes sense that you kind of grouped it all together but the men thing must have stuck out for you because it sounds like that might've been like one of the bigger vices in the situation. It was. And I, and I definitely, I, I blamed it for a lot of my, my feelings of blah. And, and I love what you guys were talking about in the beginning, because you're right. All the, it's exhausting. Like all the energy that we put into, and I wasn't even on any of the, the dating apps. And I know that's, you know, there's, there's a million of them now. And so, but just the, the, all the texting and the kind of analyzing every text and you go out and you're scanning the room, you're looking for attractive guys, you know, you got to try and get a, get a view of their ring finger to see if they're married and, you know, hoping he talks to you and trying to make eye contact long enough to send the signal that, you know, Hey, I'd be open to a conversation. Like I was just so tired of all of it. I was like, I just need a break from it. Yeah. Okay. So how, okay. So how strict were you with I mean, you know, the social media, the hard alcohol, the sweets, but the specific men, like, what did that mean? Like, what weren't you allowed to do involving men? Tell us the rules. So, yeah, so the rules were really just any, any guy that was any level of, you know, in my romantic life, historically, or, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've always had two or three guys, like, from my past, you know, maybe from college or from years ago that, 
you know, when you're feeling a little bit bored or lonely, like you can text them. And for me, a lot of times they're out of town. So it's not even about getting together. It's more like, oh, I've got, I've got somebody to kind of chat with and flirt with and like make myself feel better. So yeah. all those people, oh I was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not contacting them. Um, any ex-boyfriends that I heard from, you know, I'm not responding to them. Um, even guy friends, I had a couple good guy friends and I told them, you know, listen, no offense, but you know, talk to me after Easter and they didn't get it, but they were like, okay, you know, that's weird, but fine. Um, you know, family, obviously there's men in my family. I spoke to them on work, obviously. Um, and then I had a personal trainer at the time that I didn't want to stop doing that. So I, you know, allowed him to still be part of the mix, but really it was just trying to eliminate anybody that could be a potential or was already in the, in my dating world. Okay. I love it. And then, and how hard was it for you to do that? Um, so it, I didn't think it was going to be hard. And, you know, I did have an ex-boyfriend that him and I have a long history of back and forth. He did. And I hadn't heard from him in a long time. And of course he reaches out to me during Lent. <laughs> and so I didn't want to not respond because I personally hate when somebody just doesn't respond. So I just, I responded, said, listen, you know, you'll have to contact me after Easter, which I'm sure he was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> that's so random. I'm doing this cleanse thing. You just like, would be like, don't talk to me till this date done. Yeah. With, with this particular person, I did not give any explanation because I didn't think he deserved any explanation. It was just more like, yeah, we probably should have a conversation about, you know, our last get together, but that'll happen after Easter. So contact me then. And I think I later, I later spoke to him and he, he figured it had something to do with Lent because what else would I be talking about? Um, but so I succeeded in that, but then I, I will admit that I do, I do fail. Um, actually I failed in a lot of them. Um, I, I, I did have vodka one night, so I failed in that. And then I did, I fail right at the very end. Um, with a guy and and that goes back to like the balance thing because as I because what really happened is you know I removed all that stuff and yes they were things that made me unhappy but they were also like distractions they just distracted me from ever really sitting and thinking about am I happy how do I feel what do I want out of life like how did I get to where I am now? And am I happy here? And what decisions do I want to make moving forward? Like all that self reflection I wasn't really doing any of it. And then I gave up all this stuff for Lent and it really just became this extremely self-reflective 40 days. And I started journaling and that's essentially what became the book. Like it's really just my journal throughout Lent. And I tell all my stories of, of relationships past, but you know, I really started to struggle with, okay, I, I, I don't know balance. I'm always one extreme or the other. And so I, I started to question even just this whole practice of giving up men for Lent. Am I being too extreme to not give this person a chance. Um, but really I was just justifying it at the time because that's what we all do. Well, I think that's a fair thing to think about though, because you don't want, I think that having a balance with anything, um, when people detox, like, and they announce it on social media, for example, like I'm leaving social media for now because it's just like, okay, well you, whatever your reason is, you obviously have an unhealthy relationship with social media or alcohol or food or whatever it is. And I think that 
finding a balance or not even realizing or letting a, a time with something affect you, that means that it's not affecting you. So you don't have an unhealthy relationship. So I think you, in your quest to have this cleanse, you were trying to just get more clear about what you wanted, but it is extreme and a balance is important. And because you probably didn't have like an uber unhealthy relationship with any of the things, even though maybe you thought you might need to like take a step back for a second, that started to become clear. Like I can actually have this vodka or maybe I can talk to this guy because I've done the work and I don't need to like rid myself a hundred percent of these things because I don't have as unhealthy of a relationship as I thought. I think also though, when like the whole, like giving things up, like the detox, like, I mean, I also don't think people need to like publicize what they're doing at every minute. Cause then also if they fail, then they feel like public shame, but I understand maybe they want the accountability or whatever it is. But I think resetting is a really great thing because when you strip things away, you actually have the time to like give it space and like see like maybe like addictions like to needing validation or to needing attention or things like that. But also like you remember with like out having it be the day to day and just going through the motions that like, oh wait, like how do you feel about that stuff? Like like when we have something go like through the day to day, you you just get used to it versus like, oh wait, I don't actually really like or need that thing or like sugar. They say yeah. like, get rid of sugar for 21 days. You kick the habit and then you can add it back if you want or like see what you're allergic to with dietary things. And then you start adding things back. And like, I think it's just good to reset because you realize you don't have to keep doing the same thing every single day. Yeah. Don't just go through the motions, yeah. put some thought behind exactly. the choices you make. Exactly. And, and we're so like, we're such habit oriented people. I mean, our, our brains are really wired to pick up on and kind of create patterns. Like that's, that's what we do. So we all have patterns and we all have habits and you can just start to go through the motions of life and you never kind of stop and have those reset moments. And I think, I think those resets or those cleanses are, are super important because they help you identify like, and hopefully break if you have like an attachment and a, and a need to that thing. Because I mean, if you can't, you know, go say 30, 40, however many days without social media, you've got some kind of an attachment and a need there. And then you start to think, is, is that normal? Like, no, probably not. And, you know, that's why I'm, I'm a big believer in self-reflection and just kind of finding time throughout the day, throughout your life to, you know, unplug, kind of be away from everybody, like sit and be alone, like with your own thoughts, because otherwise we're just, we're distracted all the time and we get into these patterns and these habit loops. And, you know, before you, before you know it, you end up feeling how I was feeling, which is just kind of completely disconnected from my life. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what was the most valuable thing you discovered other than obviously, you know, that you were disconnected, but what did you discover about yourself during this time period? Like the most valuable thing? So definitely the most valuable thing I discovered was how much I had let other people's opinions or expectations for my life direct the direction that I, that I went in. I had really lost touch with myself, like, and my voice, I had let other voices be louder. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people can do that because it's not like, you know, the people it, were, were mean towards me about in kind of bullying me into these decisions. Like it was my 
family and my close friends and their intention is nothing but love and they it's what they think is best for me but oftentimes what they thought was best for me or what they thought made sense wasn't totally in line with what I wanted and I didn't pick up on that I mean I'm talking like from where I went to college to different career decisions along the way and I think the more you do that, you kind of let you go where other people want or expect you to go, not just where you want to go. You lose touch with who you really are. And it's like I, I realized that in my process as I took the time to you know, journal and write out on paper kind of all the major decisions in my life. I saw this pattern of I go where I'm wanted not where I want to go. And especially in relationships, like if, if a guy showed interest in me, I was like, Oh, absolutely. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go down this road. And I never stopped to think, do I, do I really want to be with this person or does it just feel really good to be wanted? And, and that those were kind of my, that was my big pattern that I recognized in that process. And then, and then I had to try and change it, which was probably harder than, than Lent was once you realize, oh my God, I kind of just do what everybody expects me to do, not what I want to do. Um, you know, changing that pattern is, is difficult. So what, what did you yeah. do first to change the pattern? What was like step one? So step one, actually the first thing I did um, is I quit drinking altogether. Um, I didn't drink for nine months. And my reason for that is I kind of realized throughout Lent, I'm like, oh, okay. I think Drinking is like another way that I lose myself. Like I would lose myself in relationships. So kind of just try and be whoever that person wanted me to be, not stick to who I am. And I would avoid dealing with a lot of stuff and, and really kind of then just lose myself in drinking. And I didn't have, like, I didn't have like a, a drinking problem by any means. I was a very normal, just social, you know, you go out on the weekends and, and all of that. But I just, I realized, or I, I suspected that that was one thing that was prohibiting me from really thinking about my life. So I was like, okay, I need a full reset on that. And that was really uncomfortable for a lot of my family, my friends. I mean, we're, you know, we're a social kind of drinking group. Like that's the world I've always been in. But I just, I was like, I need to make sure that every habit I have and every decision I make is because it's what I want to be doing, not because it's what I've always done or because what everyone else is doing or it's what is expected of me. So that was step one was, the, um, was that I quit drinking for about, yeah, I think I went nine months. And, and it was really good for me because it really did, it, it reset me to be like, okay, there are nights I don't want to have a drink or there'll be dinners I'm at that I don't want to have a drink. And now I'm finally comfortable saying, no, I'm good. Whereas I was super uncomfortable, especially in the beginning of those nine months. Um, so that one, like I knew, I'm like, okay, now I know like if I'm drinking, it's because I want to have a drink. No, no pressure from anybody else. And then, you know, it, it really just came down to knowing what I wanted to do and then doing it despite all of the fear. And so that's what, that's, I think I wrote one of the blogs about fear or uh, one of the thought catalogs thought catalog articles about fear because I just realized fear can show you so much about yourself. It's essentially like what's holding you back. So I just started to identifying like what I'm afraid of and then trying to go in that direction, even though I was afraid of it. Yeah, that makes so much sense because you're in your thought blog, you said 
a lot about like making fear your best friend because you think like, oh, it, I'm, it, I'm afraid of this or something that scares me or makes me feel uncomfortable, so shy away or or even I'm going to pay attention to this fear, but I'm not going to do this thing because it's a fear or whatever. Recognizing the fear is one thing, but becoming friends with it and realizing that it's telling you something about yourself and to maybe face your fear or do people say do if it scares you do it like that's actually a real mm -hmm. then you become more aware of how you're processing things and maybe why and going back to what you said about you know your family and friends people giving you advice it's they're projecting potentially their own fears or insecurities onto you and not because they're trying to be mean it's just that's how people's brains work they're trying to relate to you absolutely you know they're trying to help you like and, and I do this too. Like I think to myself, oh, well, this would bother me or I do this thing. So I'm going to help this person by saying, oh, well, what about this? Or I think you should do this. And, and sometimes taking in that information is good and helpful. But I think, so we had a guest on, um, and she's a life coach. Her name's Melissa Anderson. And you guys should all follow her on social media, Boxed the Outside. Boxed the, box the Outside. Boxed the Outside is her handle. She told me something recently, which I think really could relates to what you're saying, Casey. There are think of the world and everyone around you and everything that you're connected to as a triangle. So there's your thoughts, there's other people's thoughts, and then there's a universal thought. So you don't ever mm -hmm. want to ignore someone's advice to you. Maybe just realize that some of the things they're saying might be projections or might not work for you. And then think about how you feel about the situation. And then think about the universal thought like, don't attach any emotion to it. What is that saying about you and your connection to the universe or your connection with whatever the thing is you're questioning, men, alcohol, sweets, whatever it is. And then you're able to kind of find that balance, which is what we're talking about. Like we're all connected. You don't need to ignore one thing or live in one area of the triangle. Try to make them all work together. So it's almost like you're going between the three points constantly. And I think that helps with the balance. Yes, I, I love that. And, and, and I think it's so true. You just like the first step of everything is awareness because like awareness creates a little bit of space for you to then like make your own decisions. So if you're at least aware of your fear, like, okay, you know, I, I, I recognize there's fear there. You're aware that someone else's opinion or advice is, is their opinion or advice, which probably, you know, ties back to, you know, their whole history and how they think and what they're afraid of. So that's a whole other world. And then yes, there's like the universal and the, the collective thought. But then I, I think another important thing to, another important question to ask is, and this comes from um, Byron Katie, who I'm a huge fan of, is it true? Because so often, you know, we make decisions or we don't make decisions based on these fears, but our fears, like, they're just guesses. Like, we don't know what we're afraid of happening will happen. Like, what the opposite is just as possible. But our brains are very wired to kind of stick more to negativity um, because that comes from, like, a whole, like, survival standpoint. And so we tend to, to err more towards the fears and think, oh, well, you know, what if this happens? But what if the opposite happens is, is just as true. So I think it's important to kind of question your own thoughts and your own fears and be like, well, wait a minute, is that even true? Or that's, that's one possibility outcome. Like what are the other ones? What were some of your fears that you discovered you had throughout this process? 
Oh, so I just, I, I, I realized I had a huge fear of rejection. And so that a lot of times, you know, manifested into um, doing what I thought was cool, you know, so that I could be cool and popular. And I really, I cared a lot about what other people thought. And I've always historically been, you know, on the outside, like a very confident and strong and independent female. So for me to recognize that, and then even, you know, put it in my book, like, all right, like I, I actually really care what other people think because I want to be cool and I'm afraid of rejection. Like that was, that was a, that was a big one to, to recognize and then admit. But I think the fact that I have, and so now I'm not, now I'm okay saying that, like that's how I'm overcoming that fear because it's, it's not necessarily that it's going to go away, but it's more, I know now, like I'm, I'm stronger than that. Like I'm bigger than that fear. It might stay with me and walk with me for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to let it make my decisions for me anymore. Right. So then what does that look like? Let's say with men, what kind of things manifested themselves in recognizing that fear and then making a choice of being like, well, I'm not going to do this A, B, or C thing with this dude or because of this guy, because I'm afraid of being rejected. Like, what are examples of what that looked like when you made a different choice, not based in fear of rejection? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, it, it looks many different ways. As simple as I would really overanalyze, like, what I would respond to, like, in the text message, because I would, I would have my initial response, and I'd be like, wait, like, that might make him think this, so, like, I'm going to change it. Like, that does, that sounds like I, you know, I'm, I care too much. And so I'm going to change it. So all of that, like, that's craziness. Like just be yourself and respond however, like you would want to respond. And then when I was in a relationship, I just, have you guys seen the movie, um, runaway bride? Yes. With Julia Roberts, it's kind of an old movie. So you know how, like he calls her out on the fact that she always orders her eggs, how her fiance orders his eggs. Yes. Like a chameleon. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it was like that. So, you know, I dated um, one guy who really likes to go to the gun range. And so, and it's fine to do those types of things with somebody, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, I, I you know, bought a gun and I, I dated this one guy who was Hispanic. And so then I'm buying, you know, Hispanic cookbooks and I'm, I'm cooking all this stuff. And I just, and, and this is where it's like the actual actions themselves maybe aren't bad because it's fine to, you know, want to be interested in what your boyfriend, your husband, whatever, um, is, is into and to share some of those interests. But I think it's, it's your intention behind it. So like my intention behind all of that stuff was, Oh, I want him to keep liking me. Like, I don't want him to reject me. Not, Oh, okay. Like I'm, this maybe isn't what I want to do, but I'm going to do this for him because I care about him. So it's like these little subtle changes in your thought process behind what you're doing, even though I think sometimes the actions on the outside can look very much the same. But if you have an intention that's stemming from a fear of rejection, like behind those actions, that's where it can get unhealthy. Yeah. And sometimes it's also as simple as asking yourself, does this thing really make me happy? Like, do I really, do I really enjoy cooking these Spanish meals? And do I really like these flavors? And like, I want to eat these things. Do I like paella or not? Like maybe I don't. Yeah. Like, and really the answer is I don't even like cooking. So I'm like, no, I didn't want to do that. But I did find out like, I actually, I love plantains. And so 
And so even something like that, like I would, I would cook in several of my relationships because I'm thinking that's what he wants me to do. And that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what, that's what, you know, his side of the triangle says, that's what the collective side of the triangle says. Cause like I'm the woman. And, and then now, like, so I, I am in a relationship now and he knows, like I don't cook. And cause I kind of got to this point of, if that's going to be a deal breaker for him, then, you know, so be it because I don't need to be in a, in a relationship. So I think it's, breaking all those little needs that we have and realizing you're fine just as you are. So just like be who you are without like the need to please everybody else. And that's when you can, I I think essentially just feel happiness, you know, more often than not. Right. And uh, were you afraid to, that's so like, I love all of that. And it's something that sounds simple, but it's something that I think you constantly have to check in with yourself about. And I'm sure your book really helps like outline that. And speaking of your book, do you, were you scared or nervous to basically take your inner journaling thoughts and make them into (laughs) a book? Like, did that freak you out? Like you sound pretty open, but did it always come so naturally and and was it a big deal? No. Yeah, no. So it's funny. Um, I, I've historically been very guarded with my kind of deeper thoughts and feelings. I'm, I've always been a great listener. I'm the type of person that somebody will spill their guts to me, but I won't necessarily spill my guts back. And it, it was really difficult. It would actually, it would drive, especially my sister and my mother crazy because they just wanted me to open up to them about, what I was thinking and how I was feeling about certain things. And I didn't. And then I write this tell all book. Like it really just kind of spilled out of me in this book process. And it wasn't until, so I wrote it, I wrote the majority of it. The Lent was in 2017. So it wasn't until the summer of 2018, I had gone through like all my process of editing. I had found a publisher and I knew, okay, like this is, this is really going to happen. And I, I really, I wasn't, really that scared because the only way I got through this whole process, and this is what I would say to anybody who wants to take on some kind of like a big goal or big change, only ever think of the next step. I mean, like, yes, you've got to like do some planning and stuff, but I think so often we look at the end result and, and everything we think is going to happen then and start to freak out and it's too scary and we don't do it. So when I was sitting there writing the book or going through the edits or looking for a publisher, I wasn't thinking, I, or I tried to not live too long in the moments of thinking, oh my God, like my, my book, which is my journal is going to be out in the world. Cause that's not the step I was at. Like, that's not what I was doing yet. So I really tried to only ever think of, okay, like, what do I have to do next? And then I started writing like the blogs and the articles on thought catalog because I realized I'm like, wow, okay. I should probably get used to putting my writing out into the world because I've never done that. Like all my writing just lived nice and safe, you know, and secure, like on my computer where nobody read it, but me. And I'm like, I've, I've got to, I've got to start to put it out there so that I can, I guess, kind of build some thick skin for the book. Um, And so that's when I started in your fear because you definitely like took that challenge and like saw it through. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I started blogging. And and every time before I posted it, posted a new blog, I I was, I was definitely scared. I mean, I had to like give myself a pep talk, um, you know, like press the post button, like just, 
suppress it and then walk away. Like it's going to be fine. And so every time I did that and, you know, my world didn't come crashing down, um, it got easier and easier. And while the book gives a lot of detail about, um, I guess, kind of the skeletons in my closet, I alluded to some of the the bigger stuff in, in some of my blogs, you know, like I've, I've been the other woman and like, that is not something that I am proud of or was easy to kind of just put out there and, and tell the world. I'm thinking, all right, well, here comes, you know, the scarlet A and everyone's going to throw the stones and it's going to be bad, but that surprisingly didn't happen. Instead, I had a lot of people make comments like, you know, Oh, you thank you for sharing your experience. Like I can really relate. And so that's why I'm, I'm such a believer in not everyone has to write a book about it, but if we're just more honest with each other about what we've really been through and how we really feel about it, including what we're afraid of and all of that, we'll realize like how connected we all actually are and that like our experiences are all wrapped in different circumstances, but a lot of times we're all dealing with the same internal struggles. And so if you start being more honest about it and, and putting it out there, whether it be, you know, to the world in a book or on a blog or just your close circle of friends, like you just, every time someone's like, I know what you mean, I feel the same way, you know, yada, 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 you just, you feel less alone. And then it's like, there's power in numbers. Like, oh, okay, we're all going through this. Like we can all get through it. Yeah. It's basically like living in that triangle of balance and knowing like, you're not the only one, you're not alone nobody's going to judge me. You, you got a ping pong in between all the points to realize like it's all of these things and none of them at the same time. So it's, it's definitely yeah. like creating that balance of like, get out of your head, think about your opinion, other people's opinion and what everyone thinks as a whole. We're all connected. We're all going through it. Totally safety in numbers. And speaking of numbers, cause dating is a numbers game. What is your current relationship status? We didn't even ask you that. <laughs> so I, I am currently with somebody um, and it's, it's pretty serious and it's, it's going, going really well. Oh, we love hearing that you <laughs> balance in your life and definitely want to talk to you more about relationship things with you personally now. And clearly there's so many things on your thought catalog and your blog that are like whole shows on their own. We, we love your writing and your perspective and we think you're so smart and awesome and you guys definitely follow Casey at everywhere she is can you remind everyone where they can follow you and find you and get your book yeah absolutely so the book is on Amazon um, again a title I gave it men for Len and then I am on Instagram mostly Instagram and famous and uh, Facebook I don't really I don't really understand Twitter um, but Instagram is Casey main underscore right w-r-i-t-e and Facebook page is CaseyMain.Write. And then my website, you can find all the socials, which is just CaseyMain.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And guys, don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new show with our guest, Maria, who's a master chef. And she's going to talk to us about foods that get you in the mood. That is so exciting. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow us at Complicated Show. And then you'll see all of the upcoming guests and learn tips and tricks about everything we have to offer related to dating and relationships and just find out what's going on in our lives. That's right. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social needs. And Jen? You can follow me at Jennifer Golden. That's Jennifer with one N on all the social media platforms as well. All right. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We will see you next week. Love, Love you long time. time.